Ooh, welcome back, everybody. It's Wednesday. Who, who, who's that? Where, where? Dom. Uh, We're back. He's back. <laughs> and it's showtime. My compadre, my companion. <laughs> Look, the other half. You can't keep a good guy down. You can't. You can't. <laughs> So I'm back. He's Again, back, baby. This might be the third or fourth time I've had to say that on this podcast, but I'm back. He's back and better than ever. Now I, I got to give some props to you, Dominic. Uh, you you held out held the fort down. Not just that, but you pushed us forward. We I saw we gained a subscriber on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So you are pushing us forward, not just keeping us stagnant. I'm trying my best. Yeah. But uh, it's I'm definitely much happier to be doing this than uh, than not as I have been for the past week or so. And this this has been our this has been our Tony Habib episode. This is this is yeah, this is big. We're talking <laughs> two times our, canceled, folks. <laughs> this is our cursed episode. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> what we're doing today is who's next part two, the lightweight division. Ooh. Now normally. We've only done one other episode of this, but normally, as you'll see in episodes moving forward, we would use our, our little uh, spinner wheel. Yes, yes. To randomly assign us a weight class, which we would then go through and match make for the top 15, along with the title holder. But, you know, obviously it's been a couple weeks removed now. However, it's still relevant, obviously. <laughs> A lot is going on with the lightweight division. Yes. I saw Habib announce his retirement. Whether that sticks or not is beyond me. But you have guys like Michael Chandler looking to enter. Connor's looking like he's about to be back. You got Dustin Poirier. Tony's just still being the boogeyman out in the, in the corner, just waiting for his next opponent. So much going on that it only felt right that right now, it's the right opportunity to do this division. Oh, yeah. One million percent. Yeah. But if you want to give a better idea of kind of how we do this before watching this episode, you can go to watch episode one. Uh, who's next? Part one. We did the light heavyweight division. Uh, that was another fun one because they, at the time, didn't have a title holder. And what's funny is I don't think me or you put Jan Blahovich in our title fight. I don't think so. I did Dominic Reyes and Tiago Santos, I can already tell you. That. I did Glover versus somebody. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Was it Glover versus Reyes? It had I, to. Have been. I think it was. We both were pretty high on Reyes, I think. And, yeah. Uh, right, rightfully so, but um just goes to show that like, you know, this is one of our favorite things to do, matchmake, but doesn't mean that we're always uh <laughs> doesn't mean that we're always quite quite on it. Yeah. We never so, we never said we're 100% on these things. <laughs> yeah, so it should be fun to see how these, uh, how we foresee the future of the division here, kind of compared to where it ends up going. But, again, uh, we want to get it out of the way. Habib is still listed as the champion. He's yeah. not been uh, stripped, unlike in episode one when John Jones had been the, the title holder. He had already been stripped when we did that one. But we are both going to operate as if he is retired. Right. Done, correct? Yes, yes. 
I think it makes it easier, to be honest. It, it does. Um, you know, there's a. We thought he 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 made a pretty uh, convincing speech at UFC 254 that he was done. However, that does not appear to be 100 percent true right now. Dana keeps saying he thinks he's got one more fight in him and stuff. So uh, they also said they have no plans to strip him. So it's kind of mid. Once again, the light uh, the lightweight division is just kind of muddy, muddy waters. You know, it's 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 hard to really tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to just make the decision for them that Habib is not going to be our champion moving forward. We're we're stripping him. He is retired. He is done. So with that, that leaves us with 15 guys, the top 15, which means that we will have to add. I'm going to go and say at least one yes. unranked fighter. Yes. Because I think, for me, I'm always, I did this in episode one, and then in this one, there's only one unranked fighter that I'm going to put. But Dom likes to get a little cutesy, a little creative. Yeah. He likes to do, like, half of his fighters be unranked. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to make that same assumption for him. But I think we're going to go ahead and start at the bottom here, right? Or should Let's... I go Should I say go through the top 15? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. So, the top 15, as of today, goes as follows. Number 15, Cowboy Cerrone. Number 14, Drew Dover. 13, Gregor Gillespie. 12, Islam Makachev. 11, Benil Dariush. 10, Kevin Lee. 9, Ally Quinta. 8, Diego Ferreira. 7, Paul Felder. Six, Charles Oliveira. Five, Dan Hooker. Four, the notorious Conor McGregor. Three, Tony Ferguson. Two, El Diamante, Dustin Poirier. And number one, Justin Gaethje. So uh, that is the top 15 as of today. The most stacked division in all of combat sports. It, It really is. But... We start at the bottom here, and I'm going to let you go first because you. This is already going to lead into part of your creativity. Here. Yeah, this is just one of my fun ones. Uh, I personally just think Donald is done. I think you should should uh, throw throw in the towel. You know, put the gloves down. However, he's ranked, so I had to put him in this, and I've got him up against unranked. Bobby King Green. Now listen, Bobby Green was on a tear recently until his loss to Tiago Moises, which was a very, very close, controversial decision, by the way. Verdict scores actually had Bobby Green winning the fight. I digress. Cowboy's on an absolute slump right now. What did he lose five in a row and then had a draw with Nico Price? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Bobby Green unranked but another veteran that's been in the ufc for years they may have even fought way back in the day i wouldn't be surprised donald's fought everybody in the entire ufc bobby green was on a tear he just lost they're both kind of just at awkward parts of their career because it looked like oh green's gonna have this resurgence but then he just lost cowboy had a lot of hype then lost five in a row which is like almost unheard of if, if your name's not cowboy cerrone then he has a draw, so it's like you can't really argue giving Donald these super huge names anymore, but Bobby Green's still a household, not a household name, 
but a lot of fans know who he is, especially after this year. I don't know. Age-wise, they're close. It'd be a good stand-up fight. I think it's fun stylistically. And, like, at the end of the day, like I said, I don't even want Donald to fight anymore. But if he has to, I think give him a guy that he at least has a chance to beat because look at the people he's been fighting. I mean, if he can't even get a win over Nico Price, nothing against Nico, by the way. But, like, damn, man, these are the type of matchups we're talking for Cowboy at this point. A guy like Bobby Green, right on the cusp of top 15, always kind of been a journeyman. That's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, so it's probably not a super great idea, but I didn't want to give Donald anybody that was ranked because I like the people ahead of him and progressing them through the division. And I think a win over Cowboy at this point doesn't do as much for them. Hence, that's my thought process here with that one. Okay. Yeah, um, that that makes a lot of sense. It's uh, – I still am all about getting Bobby Green in the top 15. Yeah. You know, we're, we're big on the Bobby Green train. Yeah. Hate that he had to lose that fight. Kind of halt his momentum a little bit. God, that fight was tight, man. It was, it was. Uh, Tiago Moises really uh, showed a lot more than I think mm-hmm. I foresaw. As for, you, you nailed it, though. And, uh, I think Donald Cerrone is the hardest person for me to place here. Yeah, man. So I kind of have a choice to make. And do I give him more of a veteran matchup, a matchup that would maybe give him a better chance for a win on paper, I guess? Or do I give him more of that rising prospect and it's kind of like, all right, passing of the passing of the torch kind of moment. Like, who's the guy in the top 15 and maybe can take out Cowboy and, like, retire him for good and, like, kind of passes the torch on or whatever you want to call it. I think I am going to go with more of a veteran matchup here. This is another person I had a lot of trouble matchmaking for. And ranking-wise, it wouldn't make a ton of sense for Cowboy to be fighting up this high. But I think based on uh, what you'll see, basically I'll just go ahead and get out of the way. Uh, number 15, Cowboy Cerrone, I want to have him rematching number nine, how I put him. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, kind of my thought process here. Alan Cowboy just fought... Uh, let me go look here and see. Uh, it was May 2019. That was one of Cowboy's best wins of recent memory. Yeah. He basically shut out. Al he looked flawless show. for, it was a five-round main event, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he looked flawless that night. Yeah, Cowboy looked incredible. That was, I believe, the fight that gave Cowboy the uh, Tony Ferguson matchup and what was kind of at the time looked at as being a potential title eliminator. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. That was his, uh, that's actually his last win, his ally put him. Yeah. So, what's funny is Cowboy, since that fight with Al, has fought five times. He's lost four, and then he had to draw with Nico Price. While for Al, since that fight with Cowboy, has only fought once. And that was October 2019, where he lost a decision to Dan Hooker. Another guy that's the guy that's top five. So Al has uh, lost three of his last four. 
he has a he had a very impressive win over Kevin Lee. That was the last card on Fox. But then before that, he lost to Habib in that title fight that really Al shouldn't have been in in the first place. But uh, he's kind of in a weird spot. He's not been super active. He's 33 years old. I think if you're going to have Cowboy fight again, if Al is still looking to push his way forward, give him a chance to right that wrong, so to speak. Give him a chance to... Uh, I like this, I guess, more for Al than for Cowboy. Cowboy's just looking for a fight. Al's in an awkward spot. For sure, he's ranked ninth. But he really doesn't have a whole lot of... Uh, there's not a ton of matchups there for him right now because he just has been so inactive. So I think you give him a chance to you know, win in a rematch with Cowboy, and then he can kind of move forward to someone in front of him. So that's kind of where I'm thinking right now. Even though on paper, like, should Cowboy really be fighting the top 10? Probably not, but that's the way it kind of worked out for me here. I like it. I definitely don't hate it. I think, again, like career-wise for both guys, it's a fight that kind of makes sense. Rankings aside, you know? Yeah, it's just weird because... It's weird Al still ranks so high. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. All in all, that fight wasn't that long ago versus Cowboy. The Cowboy, like, shut him out. Yeah. And that was after Al looked dominant against Kevin Lee, too. Yeah, yeah, he looked great there. So it's a... it's a weird one, but that's what happens when you kind of... The fight business, you'll hear people say it. It's it's all about what can you do for me now, not yeah. what you did for me. Yeah. So when you have someone like Al who's just not being very active, um, it doesn't speak well. I mean, he's kind of lucked out that he's still in that top 10 when maybe he shouldn't be. But I think that's a lot of these guys behind him or... And the guys in front of him are kind of just like eating at each other. Right. Just kind of able to somehow kind of keep the spot through the madness a little bit. I like it. So I guess we'll move on to uh, number 14. Mr. Drew Dober. A guy I'm a big fan of. We saw him, right? Fan. Yeah, at, uh, 203. I, he was one of the guys when we went to 203 that I uh, – I really liked. I really liked his personality, his performance against, I believe, Jason Gonzalez. was uh, very impressive. And I'm happy to see he has this position now, uh, top 15. As far as what matchup, I don't know if there's someone you want to you wanna go ahead and take it away. I don't know if you have someone. Yeah, so this one's relatively simple here. I got 14 versus 13. Um Drew Dober versus Gregor Gillespie. Gillespie? Gillespie. That's what it is. Uh, So Drew's on a tear right now on a three-fight win streak. Finally ranked. Biggest win of his career against Alexander Hernandez. Gregor, number 13 on the other hand, was undefeated until his fight with Kevin Lee, where Kevin Lee looked phenomenal, by the way. Shout out to Kevin Lee and his crazy-ass new tattoo. Have you seen that tattoo? Yeah, it's wild. Woo! Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense for Gregor, if he were to bounce back here and beat Drew, that'd be the biggest name on his resume and a ranked fighter. 
for Drew Dober, it's just a way for him to build more momentum. We're talking a guy that's ranked ahead of you. He's only lost once in his whole career, and that was to Kevin Lee. So if Dober can get a win over Gillespie, he arguably can crack the top 10 next. Um, so I just think it makes sense for both guys. Stylistically, it's fun. Gillespie's really good, uh, just really slept on, and I feel the same way for Drew Dober, to be honest with you. Uh, even though Drew is 23-9, and nine, you look at that and you're like, eh, he's lost a lot of fights. But hard-nosed guy, tough guy, always is involved in good fights. And I think this would be another fantastic fight and a good uh, stylistic matchup. Nothing too over-the-top or crazy, uh, but I think it's just a good fight that makes sense. Agreed. Actually, I, I'm going to agree with you so much that I'm going to do the same fight here. Um, it's definitely two guys going in opposite directions. Yes, you're right about Drew Dober's record not being, you know, it's not one that sticks out to you as being super impressive. However, he's a guy that's hit his stride right now. That fight against Alexander Hernandez, he looked incredible. Alexander Hernandez is another guy that's a big prospect who still has some hype behind him for good reason. He's a guy that's looked really good when he's not fighting Drew Dober or Cowboy Cerrone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, he just fought uh, last Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, and he looked incredible. Yeah, I guess uh, Chris uh, Grutzmacher, I think is how you pronounce it. I also want to say, too, I know I said Drew was on a three-fight win streak. All three of those, by the way, are KOTKOs. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, he looks really good. And now Gregor, I believe, still hasn't fought since that Kevin Lee loss. Did you say that? Yeah, December 2nd of last year, almost a full year. That's, uh, man, is that really when that fight happened? Yeah, that brutal head kick. Ooh. It felt, felt older than that. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Gregor. And I would imagine we haven't even heard his name being thrown around in, like, fight rumors or anything. So you know that that head kick really uh, took its toll on him. And oh, he's, yeah. Uh, taking his time to come back. But I think this matchup makes a lot of sense. Gregor has definitely earned his way into the top 15. I don't think that loss to Kevin Lee necessarily should mean that he's off of the top 15 or fighting someone off the top 15. But Drew Dover being another kind of guy just one spot below, I think it makes sense because they're both guys. It's kind of like uh, earn your earn your place. Prove that you're a top 15 guy. Whoever loses this matchup is likely fighting someone like Bobby Green or one of those guys that's like borderline top 15 in their next fight. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's kind of where I'm leading at there. I, I like that fight. That You really nailed it there. That's that's really – it makes a lot of sense. And really matchup-wise, like Dober, he's been – he's got a lot of power, but he's also got that wide, like, narrow base where he could give a guy like Gillespie, who's a very dominant wrestler, some fits. Mm-hmm. Because he's just he's able to keep himself so close to the ground. He's just a very wide guy. Yeah. Um, but Gregor is a monster when it comes to the ground. He is a grinder. Like, it, it, it tires me out watching him. I think that's what was so exciting about the matchup with him and Kevin Lee because of how good of a grappler Lee is. Little did we know they were going to stand up the whole time and Lee would freaking put him to sleep with a head kick. Uh, yes, wild stuff. So I guess with that, we would move to our number 12, Islam Makachev. Islam going through a bit of a rough patch here. 
that that matchup with Rafael Dos Anjos, the former lightweight champion, just not seeming to be an option for him. They were scheduled to headline a fight night this Saturday that will not be happening because of but the fight was supposed to happen multiple times before, and like RDA had tested positive for COVID and stuff like that. But now Islam has got an injury, so he's out of the matchup here. Um, my matchup for him, he's number 12. I actually think I'm going to go with... Uh, Come on, do it. Do it. Come on. Come I think on. I'm going to go with uh, number six, Charles Oliveira. Wow! Oh, hello. Yeah, yeah so uh, hello. this is a big, big jump up, right? Now, I'm, I'm thinking about what this, what these matchups can do for either fighter. I don't want to make matchups just that benefit one guy. So sure, rankings-wise, Islam Makachev would be getting a big opportunity here. He's ranked 12th. Um, Oliveira's ranked 6th. Charles Oliveira is one of the most, probably the most underrated guy in the whole division. However, he was scheduled to fight, um, I want to say it was Benil Dariush, wasn't it? Does that sound right, Dom? What was that? I'm sorry. Was Oliveira scheduled to fight Dariush just a little bit ago? Yes. I forget which one of them got hurt. I thought it was Oliveira. I, I think it was Oliveira. But... That was Oliveira going to fight the number 11 ranked guy. Makachev is a guy with a lot of hype behind him. He's a big prospect. He's one of that, that next level fighter from Dagestan, where Habib fights out of. So he's a guy that where Oliveira, who's God, what a veteran he is at this point, and has really hit a big stride. I believe he's won six straight. He. Really, I think it does just as much for him where if he gets a win over Makachev, even though Makachev has ranked 12, oh shit. Oliveira yeah. just took out this level of fighter from Dagestan. Who Habib's protege. Dagestan fighter. Yeah, all these Dagestan fighters have looked anything but vulnerable in their UFC fights. So I think it does a lot for either guy. Makachev gets if he wins, he's borderline top five. Oliveira, if he wins, is definitely on this run he's been on. It would be the I don't want to say the biggest name because that Kevin Lee win was big for him. However, I think what hurts that Kevin Lee win is that it happened right before the world went the shit. Yeah. Everybody just kind of forgot about That's it. That's exactly what it is. So I think that this is another name where Islam Makachev is arguably a bigger name than Charles Oliveira right now. So it's kind of that same thing I said about why I think Leon Edwards should fight Hamza um, Chimayev. Yeah. It's like the name value. It's like what puts your, put your name in the fans' memories in their heads. And I think this matchup could do that for either guy. And I just think it's a banger of a matchup. Oliveira has some of the best jiu-jitsu in the whole sport, in the whole division. However... He has some power in his hands, my friend. Uh, he, he put uh, Kevin Lee to sleep pretty much. So I had Kevin Lee wrestling the referee. So it's uh, <laughs> he's a dangerous guy no matter where the fight goes. And Islam Makachev's, uh he's less proven. But 
again with that level with that Dagestan fighter. Yeah, that dude. Level of wrestling. We're still talking a guy that's eighteen and one, man. Yeah, I mean, when I say unproven, it's you're walking. I know how good I know how good he can be. Yeah, yeah. I just think that this would be his biggest test, obviously. But that's the matchup I'm going to go with a little bit, maybe outside the box, considering their rankings. I don't hate it. Uh, I am going to not jump him up as much, but it's still a fight that actually has been talked about for a long time and requested by both gentlemen. Uh, Number 12, Islam Makachev. Number 10, Kevin Lee. I think this matchup is fantastic. I think it's the biggest test for Islam's career so far, similar to why you gave him such a high-ranked opponent for Kevin Lee, a way for him to not only bounce back off of his loss to uh, Oliveira, but, uh, you know, he's lost two of his last three, but Kevin Lee always seems to be fighting big-name guys, especially recently. But I'm pretty sure that he's called Islam out for multiple years at this point, Um, even stating the fact like he was you know, scared of him and how he was calling out he wanted to fight Habib as well and he felt he can he's the one to beat Habib. Uh for those of you that don't know, Kevin Lee's an incredible grappler, but as he proved in his win over uh Galefsi, he has really good striking too. This is a big test for both. I think it makes sense ranking wise. Uh I think it's a main main event fight of a fight night. I think a lot of people love Kevin Lee, but a lot of people hate Kevin Lee. He's one of those guys. For Islam, yeah. he's a relatively unknown to the casual fan. But the way that the UFC's building him up right now as this, you know, Habib's protege um, more than anything, it's a lot of hype. I think it's a big fight. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Whose grappling is better? Uh, I don't think we see much striking in this one because I think Islam would know better. And I think Kevin would come into that fight and know, okay. He's probably going to want to wrestle me here. Uh, so I'm going to have to use my grappling as well. Uh, it's a fight I would probably lean more toward Islam if it were to actually be booked. However, I don't doubt that Kevin Lee could surprise a lot of people, stop the hype train, and then really just have a big bounce back where he can crack right back into that top seven, top five. So I think it's a fun one. Again, it seems like it's one that's been a long time coming. Not that it's like the biggest trash talk in the world. But Kevin Lee's a shit talker, and he's called out these tough guys from Dagestan, you know, Islam and Habib. He clearly does want to test himself, and I've always respected that about Kevin Lee, no matter what he says or the antics. Because usually he does back it up, or if he loses, he's going to go out uh, on his horse and going out in a really good fight. So I think that's a fun one. I like it. I'm actually uh, going to have Kevin Lee here in my next matchup. I'm going to do number 10 versus number 11. Oh. Number 10, Kevin Lee versus number 11, Benil Dariush. I like that one. I almost did that one. So we're we're big Benil Dariush fans right now. And, yeah. Um, I think we're actually probably I, – I like Kevin Lee quite a bit. So yeah. I like this matchup here because, again, you're putting the two guys kind of going on opposite directions. Dariush is definitely surging right now. He has won – Five straight, all by well, four of the five by finish. Uh, the first one of that run being Tiago Moises by decision, funny enough. And then he actually beat Drew Dober by submission, triangle armbar. So that's kind of funny. He's got a win over top 15 right there. 
but he just knocked out Scott Holtzman. That was actually the card we talked about in our debut, in our uh, our pilot episode. So he had a uh, spinning back fist in that, didn't he? Yep. That's what I thought. So, um, in this potential matchup here, what I like about it is you got two guys who they finish most of their fights by submission, funny enough. Kevin Lee has 18 wins, eight of them by submission. Dariush has 19 wins, eight of them by submission. So these guys are going in there to finish it, but I could definitely see this turning into quite the grappling exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more faith in Dariush as far as like his ability to, I guess, um, like if the fight is standing, if the fight's on the ground, I have more faith in his ability to be able to perform at a high level no matter where the fight goes. Mm-hmm. However, Kevin Lee on any given night with that power that he's got, really anything he does, he's a power grappler. He's got some power strikes. Um, he is a dangerous matchup for anybody. And for Darius, who has at times showed that he can be knocked out, not just to talk about the Edson Barboza knockout, that it's so nuts to watch, but um, I like the matchup. I really do. I think it, it just makes sense for both guys in their careers right now. As I said, Darius surging, Kevin Lee coming off that tough loss, and really he's been on kind of a rough patch. Uh, not a lot of people will realize it because he just hasn't been as active, but um, he's lost three of his last four. Yeah. That Gregor Gillespie knockout was awesome, but before that, he had the decision loss to Ally Quetta. Then he tried to move up to welterweight and lost via submission to Rafael Dos Anjos. Went back down, and that's when he knocked out Gregor. And then he just lost via guillotine to Charles Oliveira. That was a fight he also missed weight. Um, and that's another thing where he missed weight in his last fight, and Darius also missed weight in his last fight. So it kind of makes sense for these guys to just be paired up with one another right now. Both of them big for that 155 division. Um, just let them have a go. I like it. I think that would be quite the incredible fight, to be honest. So then for you, who are you giving to Mr. Benil Darius? I've got him going up against number eight ranked Diego Fajera. Fajera. I'm trying to roll the R's. Uh, I think this is a great fight. Diego's one of the most slept-on guys in this division, him and Charles Oliveira. I'm not even going to be told otherwise. That's just facts. Uh, Diego's on a six-fight win streak. He just came off a submission win over Anthony Pettis back in February. Another one of those wins, kind of like how you mentioned for Oliveira, uh, it happened right before the whole world shut down, so people just forget about it. Uh, But Diego's an absolute stud. He was on the embedded episodes he was on the countdown episode like that was a big fight of that pay-per-view i think it was co-main or the third fight of the main card i don't remember which um so it was a big fight a lot of people forget about it but diego is 17 and 2 as skilled as they come as well-rounded as they come he really put on a great performance uh against pettis 
And then you already said it all about Dayush, man. This guy's a stud on a five-fight win streak. Three of those by finish, four of the last five by finish, I think you said. Uh, this fight is fireworks, I think, no matter where it goes. Uh, I think Diego does have a grappling advantage here, significant, um, maybe not significantly, but I give him the advantage in the grappling, striking, Dayush all day, every day. So as much as I want to say grappler versus striker, they're still both very well-rounded. So I would be very intrigued as to what the outcome of this would be. For rankings-wise, Dayush, it makes sense because he's going up. For Diego, he would be fighting down, but just a little, and it would be against a guy that has a lot of hype behind him and still ranked higher than what Anthony Pettis was at the time that he fought Pettis. Obviously not the biggest name compared to Pettis, but still. A lot of people are beginning to take notice on Dayush, but not a lot of people are taking notice on Diego. So I think this would be a big one for him to get his name out there. Six in a row, that would be seven, and he's still ranked top ten. Surely, after a win over a guy like Benil, he would be top five, you know, or fight a guy top five. I think he's well-deserving. Uh, as stacked as this division is, there are a lot of people that are slept on, and a lot of them are in this latter half, eight through 15. Uh, so I think this is a big test for both. I think it says a lot about how skilled whoever the winner may be. I think we could even see an incredible back-and-forth war. Um, so it's very fun. And that's what I got. 11 versus 8. It makes a lot of sense. Stylistically, again, like I said, grappler, striker, but at the same time, both well-rounded enough to hold uh, hold each other accountable on both of their weaknesses, I want to say. So that's what I got for I, that one. I love that matchup. And I what I hate about it, though, is that I hate how underlooked I think it would be. Yeah, man. The, whole, the like, fight as a whole. Yeah. Like, I think that's a fight that could end up getting pushed to, like, the prelim headliner of uh yeah like a pay-per-view or something and that sucks because that that fight is i mean you're talking about the winner of that being a potential top five guy in the division Mm -hmm. borderline at least so it's uh man i I like that matchup a lot i just hate that people don't know these guys enough yeah i mean isn't it crazy a guy like diego is number eight i mean really it's really him and charles Oliveira. like i feel for him man it's crazy yeah. These guys are on absolute tears right now, and they just never get talked about. So we're we're giving them their due in this episode. Yeah. Um, so what what I'm going to do for Diego here? He's number eight. He's the guy I'm booking now. You know, it's uh, like, what's the solution, right? What's the solution to get Diego Ferreira into to to where more people are aware of him, more people are watching his fight. I mean, he fought Anthony Pettis. That guy was, he was a Wheaties box guy. Yeah. <laughs> Former champion. That guy was a star at one point. Still a very well-known fighter. However, I'm thinking, okay, Anthony's had some shortcomings in his career. Maybe not quite the, uh, the level of uh, credit to beating him as it would have been five years ago. But what's going to get the UFC to invest in a Diego Fajara fight? Well, why not get put him up against one of their own commentators? <laughs> number, so I'm going to do number eight, Diego Fajara versus number seven, Paul Felder. I thought you were going to say John Anik. <laughs> <laughs> no, Daniel Cormier. Oh, yeah, okay. So, um, 
in this matchup, Paul Felder, you just saw this guy is stepping in on five days notice to save the main event, to really save the fight night as he's going to go up against RDA this Saturday. And you already saw, despite the fact that, you know, Paul Felder's never been like a, like a super well-known guy or whatever, you know, he's always just kind of been, he's always kind of hung around. He's been popular with the hardcore fans, but I wouldn't say he was someone that casual fans were very aware of. However, you saw when he agreed to take that fight, how everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. He was, this was the guy that was supposed to be commentating on Saturday. Yeah. And now he's in the main event, which is sick. If it's badass, and they should be talking about it. But this has showed me that since Paul Felder's really embraced that kind of commentary role, that he's really became a bigger name than maybe I thought mm-hmm. uh, just on that alone. And I think in this matchup here, you would be see this would give, uh, I think the UFC would, would put a lot more into this potential matchup due to the fact that Felder is such a loved figure. He is a guy that's one of their employees, one of their commenta- commentators. So a matchup with him and Pajara here, um, you could really build a story on that. Uh, talk about how Felder, it's really his last hurrah, his last ride, whatever you want to call it. He's been talking about how he's been kind of one foot in, one foot out for a while. He's been in some wars, man. He has been. I mean, his last fight was... Uh, with Hooker, Hooker, that was but, insane. Yeah. It was. Hooker is always just battling with people. And he arguably won that fight. Mm -hmm. So for Diego, this would definitely give him the biggest platform of his career, even bigger than the Anthony Pettis platform, I think. Because I think, I believe you could make this a headliner of a fight night. People would complain. Mm -hmm. People would probably complain about it. I don't care. I think it's a great matchup. I think it's a great fight. A fight that... If you want to go striking, Felder's going to have the advantage. Diego just, not that Diego is bad at striking, he just doesn't have quite the power. While Felder, he's got that Muay Thai kickboxing background. That guy loves to stand and bang. But if Fajara can take it to the ground, it becomes a much more interesting matchup. And um, But Felder is no slouch there either. So I really like this matchup. It's that classic grappler versus striker, I think. I think it would play out probably more of a war on the feet. And I think it would really be a big test for Fajara. And it would give Felder kind of another chance to really, uh, if he if he's still kind of look into potentially, you know, fight for gold at some point, like it gives him kind of that last hurrah, mm-hmm. that last chance to really push himself forward against a guy who has been surging for the past couple of years in Fajara. I love it. And I think, again, like, it does seem Paul has gained quite a large following. Um, I think part of it's because of that war he had with Hooker in February. I think part of it's because of the commentary. I think part of it was uh, his big factory played in the documentary that we broke down. Um, I think he's a family guy, and a lot of people respect him. They think he's good at what he does. And then again, like you said, for Diego, his biggest test, his biggest name, but he's, he's deserving of it, right? At the end of the day, you wouldn't just be matching him up with Paul Felder for no reason. Paul Felder's right. a big name, a guy that's well-respected. 
and Diego would deserve a guy like that. So I think that is a great fight, a great matchup. So now for you, are you on... Uh, I'm at Mr. Ally and Quinta, the real estate agent. <laughs> and I've got him up against number seven, Paul Felder. Um, nice. I love, love, love this fight. Ally and Quinta and Paul Felder are two of the most game people in this entire division. They'll fight whoever. They don't care. I mean, Ally Quinta fought Habib Nurmagomedov on, like, I don't know, 20 hours notice. <laughs> Something yeah. crazy like that. Went five rounds with him. Um, didn't do anything too crazy, but still, to go five rounds with Habib and not get too dominated is a good thing. Uh, his stock went up, to say the least. He had the big fights with uh, Donald Cerrone. That was a headliner. Then he had the or he had the Kevin Lee fight, then the Cerrone fight. I mean, he's been getting a lot of big names recently. He's been relatively inactive. Again, he is literally a real estate agent uh, as his main job, so rightfully so. And for Paul Felder, again, you already said so much about him. This guy's game. He's going to be in wars. A lot of people are beginning to respect him and have a lot of fans around him now. I think this is another one that could be a fight night headliner, 100%. I think this would be a all-out stand-up stand war. I think Paul has the uh, strength, power advantage, better knees, clinch work. But, ow, man, you can't stop that just traditional boxing style that he has and the great jabs and the really good footwork and just fight IQ that Al has is nearly unmatched in this division. I think it's a great fight. I think it would be a fight we see go five rounds. I don't think we're going to see a guy like Paul Felder go down easy, and we know a guy like Al's not going to go down easy. I think we see a five-round war. I think that's a great fight. And uh, stylistically, man, we love when we get a good stand-up battle. This is true, and I, I, I do really like that matchup. Uh, both guys kind of in similar spots where yeah. they're kind of in that one foot in, one foot out. Kind of approve it. Show us that you're still, do you, as Dana White would say, do you want to be a fighter? Yeah, and it's still, still a, fight a fighter. It's like the winner is arguably one or two away, and you're fighting for a title. You know, it's crazy. It is crazy. Especially if it's like a convincing win. Because in this, in a yeah. division like this, a convincing win, no matter who it is, if you're convincing or getting a convincing win over a top 15 guy, you're making a statement. And you're going to get put with someone the UFC believes you deserve. So this division, more so than any, you have to make statements in order to work your way up. Nice. I like it. Now that brings me to the top five here. This is where it gets really, really fun. But also, for me, it was easy. Maybe you struggled a little bit more than I did. We're going to find uh, out. I think if there was one match that I struggled with, it's going to be this one I'm about to say. But I, I don't think I, I don't think I struggled with it. I think I was just surprised that that's how it went. So we're, we're on number five here. You're on number five too, aren't you? Uh, I'll be on six. Be able to but I'm literally place. six through one here. Yeah. Okay. So I'm on number five, Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker coming off of that potential fight of the year candidate with uh, Dustin Poirier, a fight that he came up short in, but a fight that went back and forth for five rounds. Awesome, amazing fight. Probably my second favorite fight of the year behind the obvious pick of Joanna and Wayne Lee. Yep. Um, he is definitely a wild card in this division. 
Dan Hooker. He, he is a wild card. He is six feet tall. He's got the 75-inch reach. He it, is a big guy in this division. It seems like he's 6'5 when he steps in there for yeah, some reason. It's, just, it's amazing that this guy used to fight at featherweight. Yeah, I don't see how. That yeah, had to have been tough he, weight he, cut. Yeah. So it's a, he's a tough matchup for anybody, especially once you're getting to this top five here. There's a guy that's staring in this top five that he has not fought before. And it might make more sense than you think on paper. I'm actually going to have him going up against number one ranked Justin Gaethje. Oh, my God. There will be blood. <laughs> yeah. Talk about madness right here. Someone's going to sleep. Yeah. And it's not even an if. It's a win. So, Gaethje was um, – he's coming off of that tough loss to Habib Nurmagomedov in a fight where he looked good with the leg kicks. Those leg kicks were definitely hurting Habib. Um, but, you know, he did get taken down. He did get uh, finished via submission. A couple of things that we weren't – that a lot of people that were picking Habib to win or Justin to win, excuse me, thought Habib wouldn't be able to do so easily, and Habib did do it pretty easily. Now, it's not to take anything away from Justin. I think that just says how good Habib is. But Justin, he did lose, so it's like, all right, where do we go from here? Well, based on kind of the way, you know, I I have these other guys in front of Dan in these uh, matchups already. So it kind of left him and Hooker, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Hooker, arguably, like he could have, if he would have just landed a couple more clean shots, he might have beat, he might have knocked out Dustin Poirier. He, he, he had him hurt. Fight. He had him hurt. And if you go before that, he did have the split decision win over Paul Felder. I know that one's been contested if he really won that fight or not. I had him winning. I know a lot of people had Paul Felder winning. Before that, he had a unanimous decision win over Ally Quinna. And then you had him knocking out James Vick before that, which everybody loves to see. Um, he's had a good run of things, even with that Dustin lost. And he's such a like just hard matchup. That 75-inch reach. Justin Gaethje has a 70-inch reach. Mm-hmm. However, Justin's only an inch shorter. But it's it, this is a fight that would stay on the feet. And someone's going to go to sleep. There's literally a 0% chance this fight would take place on the ground. Literally 0%. <laughs> I think you're right. I could, too. I would confidently bet a lot of money <laughs> that the fight would not touch the ground unless someone's ass gets put to sleep and falls on it. And I think it has the potential to be just as good, if not even better, than the hooker Poirier matchup. Yeah. Yeah. If it goes that long. <laughs> And this is like, would a 100% be five rounds? Like, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, it's got to be, right? Yeah. So, um, it gives Hooker another chance to really show that, like, he's ready for a title shot. Because if he wins here, he'd be ranked number one. Yeah, that's true. Gaethje, Gaethje really doesn't need to, you know, he doesn't need to be the number two or three guy to show that he's still, he's number one for a reason. Yeah. 
So I think he, if he wins over Hooker, it just further establishes that he is the next guy up. Yeah, for me, you know, surprisingly, because surprisingly, we we are booking a title fight here. I did not put Justin Gaethje in my title fight, so it's right. something that uh, might be interesting to some people. Well, you know, to me, in this top five, Gaethje's in the hardest spot here, in my opinion. I think he's in a very awkward place. Um, it's more so just because we don't know what's going to happen with Habib. And, like, you have all these other... This is real life, of course. You have all these other matchups that are seeming to play out. So, it's just... He's in a very awkward place where, like, he was on a tear, four-fight win streak. The only guy he lost to was Habib. But now it's like, okay, what does he do? If Habib vacates, does he automatically get a title shot again? If Habib keeps the belt, then Justin has to win, like, two more fights to earn it back. And it's like... I don't know. He's in a weird spot. But I do love, love, love Gaethje Hooker. That's that's pure violence. That's all it is. I think it's a matchup that not enough people are pegging right now. If you look at one through five, any type of matchup you do, it's violence. It's violence. <laughs> this is true. It's crazy. And, really, and, you, and outside of maybe uh, running back Gaethje and Tony, I think any matchup it would you could put any combination of that top five and Michael Chandler. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. And I think this is a, a matchup that should be talked about more. It's it's one of those uh, problems you get on the exam where it's like, okay, you have this many apples, this many oranges, this many grapes. Uh, how many different combinations can you make? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it's like with this top <laughs> yeah. six. Yeah, true. It, it, especially when you throw a guy like Chandler in the mix, which I know we're probably both going to touch on more in a second. So um, that leads me to number six for me, Oliveira, and I've got him fighting Hooker. Uh, six through one here is really easy to me. It came out really straightforward, and it's all fights that I don't even want to budge on. These are what I want. UFC, please do it. Thank you. Uh, Oliveira Hooker. This is a huge fight. For Oliveira, the the damn guy's on a seven-fight win streak. He submits people. He knocks people out. Most submission wins in UFC history, by the way, at 14. Hooker has been in three straight fucking wars. This dude is never in a boring fight. Biggest task for Oliveira in a way to prove he belongs because no one ever talks about him. For Hooker, this is a big task because if he can keep the fight standing... He has a big advantage here. I know Oliveira's let the hands go recently more than in you know past fights, but Hooker's got the advantage here. It's not close. But if it's on the ground, I don't know if Hooker has a chance to get up. Uh, that's how good Oliveira is, and we've never seen Hooker's takedown defense that often. Not that I can recall, anyway, in recent fights. Uh, he just stands and bangs with people. You know a guy like Oliveira is going to want to take Hooker down. Uh, so stylistically, this is... Not wrestler versus striker, but straight up grappler, jujitsu practitioner versus a Muay Thai kickboxer. It's beautiful. Ideally, you think, okay, Hooker's going to win by knockout or decision. Oliveira's going to win by submission or decision, right? Uh, I think this is such an intriguing fight. It makes sense on every level. I think it's a fight night main event. Um... I love it, I love it, I love it. I want to do literally the top six guys in the lightweight division on one mega lightweight card, to be honest with you. If I could do it, I would. 
Um, But this is my intro into this top five. Oliver Hooker, I've been saying it for months now at this point. It's what makes sense. Give Oliver what he deserves and give Hooker what he deserves. Another big name. Just because he's coming off a loss to Poirier, he deserves to fight someone outside of the top six or seven? No, absolutely not. Especially when it was a very close fight and a fight that he had Poirier hurt in. Number five, Dan Hooker. Number six, Charles Oliveira. Book it. Book it. That's it. I love it. Oh, how can you not? This division is insane. It really is. And uh, another wrinkle in that, like, Oliveira's just, you know, it's definitely, I'm sure he would prefer to take it to the ground in that potential matchup. But he has really shown to be a fluid striker. Yeah. So much so that, like, I don't even know if I would necessarily sit here and say that he can't win on the feet. I think at this point, just because we know Hooker can get hurt, Oliveira, by all means, can land the shots. I guess I'm just talking longevity of a five-round fight. I would still lean toward Hooker. I definitely agree. Uh, I think Hooker's got the pedigree. He's got the... Uh, more established striking for a five-round fight is going to show. Um, but, yeah, also Hooker, those long limbs that he's got, uh, you know, Oliveira's going to be looking to rip one of those off in a fucking knee bar or arm bar or something. Do- doesn't uh, it intrigue you, know, you to, like, see Hooker potentially be tested on the ground? Like, when have we seen him on the ground? You know, it's that's what intrigues me a, a lot. Time. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So now uh, I'm going to get into my title fight. Wait. Okay. I think so I know what I'm it on, is. So I'm on, I'm on number four. Yeah. Conor McGregor. Who's that? And I know. <laughs> now, come on. Who now. the fuck is that guy? <laughs> now, come on now. Now, look. I get it. Has Connor really earned a lightweight title fight? No. He's coming off a win against Cowboy Cerrone at welterweight. Before that, he lost to Habib um, for the lightweight title. And then before that, he was boxing Floyd Mayweather. Interesting career, It's been, career, an, it's been man. an interesting... It's been a very interesting <laughs> run for Connor McGregor. So I don't think he's quite earned a title shot, but money talks. Based on the matchups I have here, him versus number two Poirier, him versus number two Dustin Poirier is the fight to make. It's the fight that's going to be made, and it is the one that is the most realistic for a title shot. Yeah, right now I do agree with that. KG versus Hooker, both guys coming off losses, not realistic for a title shot. I guess I can go ahead and spoil my other matchup here. Tony Ferguson, number three, versus unranked Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler never fighting in the UFC. Tony's coming off a loss. That doesn't make sense for a title fight. Dustin has the most merit of anybody to get a title shot right now. Yes. He's coming off the win over Dan Hooker. Before that, losing the interim champion. So... Really, you would probably do Poirier versus Gagey, too, if you really wanted to do a realistic title fight. Yeah. But I personally 
Uh oh, you cut out. Can you hear me? Ladies and gentlemen, we have lost Noah momentarily. Let me see here, let me see. Come on, Noah. Come on, Noah. Hello? I heard you for a second. Hello, hello, hello. Stand by, ladies and gentlemen, at the most important part of the Who's Next episode. Hello, Noah. There he is. There he is. He's back. Uh, what happened? <laughs> I just figured you were trying to build more suspense for our audience, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I was talking, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, this, <laughs> it, like, gave me, like, an exclamation point on my screen that was, like, and I was, like, uh, hello? <laughs> and you, <laughs> so I think I talked for a good 30 seconds, <laughs> and you didn't, and, and nobody heard me. Yeah, nobody heard a thing. You're gonna Which have to I, read. I should, I should, I should, I should have known that was weird because you didn't cut me off at any point. Uh, so I guess. Uh... Uh... <laughs> All right, I'm stopping recording. <laughs> so where did I? Stop? Where did you stop hearing me? At? Uh, essentially, your last words were that if you want to talk about realism and all based off of merit, the real title fight would be Justin versus Dustin. Oh, Jesus, that's where I left off at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, basically that would be the most realistic title fight you can make with. But I have bought in to Connor versus Dustin, too. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. that we we can change the matchups. We don't have to go off of, um, you know, kind of where you know, we said it's based on their current standing, not their current matchup. But I'm bought in completely. I want to see this matchup for Dustin. I want to see it for Connor. I think he put a belt on the line. Why Why sit here and worry about, oh, like, why, you know, we don't want to put uh, another title fight under Connor. And, hit, you know, they, they, they always seem to want to put Connor at the main event but not make it for a belt. Well, here you go. You have a semi-realistic opportunity to put Connor in a title fight. Just do it. Yeah. I understand that people are going to be annoyed um, that he didn't really earn it, but Dustin did. God damn it. Dustin earned that shot. Paid in full. Give him that shot. Paid in full. The diamond. Let him get knocked out by Conor McGregor. I'm just kidding. I just said that to see your reaction. (laughs) But it's the matchup to make, I think. I've completely bought into it. Me, I was the person that was being super pessimistic about this fight even happening, and now I want to see it more than any other matchup in this whole division. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Um, so I guess I, do you want me to go ahead and finish up with my? Well, honestly, cause real quick, because I, I think we just both leave off with our cliffhangers. So okay. I have Connor Dustin, and I have Ferguson Chandler. Uh, okay. They're both the fights that have to happen uh, in an ideal world, and I've discussed this with Noah. 
January 23rd, main event, McGregor Poirier, co-main event, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. You, I mean, <laughs> that's fucking... I'll just watch those two fights. Here's my $65 because that's all Fuck I would it. need. Make them both five rounds. Yeah, make care. them both five rounds. Freaking have a live music playing at the entrances. Smoke and mirrors, fireworks inside the arena. <laughs> Everything. Have them actually fight on the octagon at the beach. Like, I, I don't care. Uh, I think that's a, I think it just makes sense from a business perspective. I think it makes sense for the division to book those on the same night. Uh, if there's an injury, it's easy to have a replacement. I mean, it just makes, it makes too much sense to where it probably won't happen. Unfortunately, you know, it right. makes that much sense. Stylistically, if we're talking Connor Dustin, it's going to be a stand up battle. How much better has Dustin gotten? How much better has Connor gotten? Who's going to be the better man this go around? Uh, and then for Tony and Chandler, this is the perfect fight for Chandler to introduce himself to the UFC fans. I kind of stole that right out of his mouth from an interview he had. Sorry, Michael. Um, for Tony, it's a way to prove, first off, yeah, the only guy I've lost to in like the past seven, eight years is Justin Gaethje, and he still couldn't even finish me because my head is made of fucking steel. Uh, and then, like I said, for Chandler... This is a big test for him, but you can't ask of a more well-rounded guy to introduce Michael Chandler to the UFC. Tony's a stud on the feet, a stud on the ground, the most unorthodox style fighter in the entire UFC. Both of these fights are absolutely fantastic, uh, and I figured we would have those two matchups the exact same. Now, this ending is where there's a little confusion, because if you guys are listening, there's an... Or actually, for me... I should say, there's an odd man out. I didn't book Justin Gaethje. Uh, so I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to take mine and go here and then leave it with you. Um, I didn't get Gaethje a fight here because this is what uh, I said should happen. I said this the second he lost to Habib. Justin just sits right now. I think Connor fights Dustin and then. The winner of Connor Dustin fights Gaethje for the vacated belt. Uh, I think Gaethje deserves to still fight for the title. He was on a four-fight win streak, all via finish. He was the first guy to beat Tony Ferguson in 12 fights. He's the most recent interim champ, and the only guy he lost to was Habib. And two judges scored the first round for him. I don't want to give merit too much on that because I disagree with that, but you get what I'm saying. Gaethje deserves to be right there for that vacant title if and when it gets vacated. And for McGregor Poirier, I don't think that fight should be for a belt, even though I wouldn't be surprised if they made it for a belt. However, the winner easily deserves to fight for a belt. <coughs> Excuse me. And think about the matchup here. You're telling me we're either going to get Gaetcher, Gaetcher, Gaethje versus Poirier 2, which, if you haven't seen the first one between those guys, you need to go watch that fight right now. And if Connor beats Dustin, hello, Connor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje. Are you kidding me, Doug? Are you kidding me, Noah? Either one of those matchups is fireworks. Either one is a great title fight to welcome a new champion to this lightweight division. That's my kind of plan for the odd man out, Justin Gaethje. And kind of like how I mentioned earlier, where he's in that awkward spot. It's like, 
what do you do with Justin? Because all these other guys have matchups. But then it's like, well, Justin's just kind of sitting and chilling. So uh, that's what I think makes the, the most sense. I know it's not an actual matchup right away, so I may have cheated the system a little, but I just think he deserves the the opportunity to wait and still fight for a title. And that's a huge fight against Poirier or McGregor. So that's what I got for you. I told you guys Dom likes to get a little cutesy. <laughs> yeah, just a little he bit. Doesn't, he doesn't like to just take it at face value. He goes, oh, you gave me 15 guys? Well, how about I just not use half of them? <laughs> I had to make it a little extra no, I special. I, I, honestly, I think your plan's probably, like, honestly, I like it probably better than my idea. Because you're really making McGregor earn that title shot. Yeah, man. Because if he beats Poirier, then there's no questions asked, right? Yeah, I mean, McGregor never really earned a lightweight title fight, like, Really, really, if he would have got it against RDA, that would have been, like, deserving somewhat. But then the fact that the fight fell through, he fought Nate Diaz twice and boxed, and then got a title fight instead at lightweight, I was like, huh? But, you know, money talks, and I get it. And everybody wants to see Conor fight. I want to see Conor fight, you know? I'm just, uh, I'm a little more level-headed and realistic here. I just, a fight, if you beat Dustin Poirier, you simply earn a title shot. And even Habib said that, so... That's kind of my thought. So I guess for um, for me, kind of the way I would see this going, based on my plan, I said that right away with McGregor Poirier for the belt, and then our other two matchups would have Hooker versus Gaethje, and then Ferguson versus Chandler, which I don't want to um, not touch on, but you really did. I mean, you said all that really needed to be said there. Um, so I, I could see the winner of those two matchups fighting for number one contender. Yeah. Because let's say McGregor beats Poirier. Uh, you probably won't see McGregor fight for a while. That's just kind of the way he does things. If Poirier beats McGregor, um, he would probably be more apt to be stay active. But I like the idea of the winner of Gaethje Hooker fights the winner of Tony Chandler and then the winner of that potential those winners will be the next guy up for the belt after Connor. Yeah, I mean, we're essentially creating a tournament here without titling it a tournament, you know? Yeah, I wish I I would have done that more so than I even did here. That's kind of just how this division has to play out right now, in my opinion, man. Like, it is a tournament right now. Simple as that. I know they obviously aren't going to label it that way, but it is what it is. I mean... You got four versus two, Chandler versus Ferguson in my circumstance. And, like, realistically, say they don't go my method and Gaethje's the odd man left out, winner McGregor Poirier fights the winner of Chandler Ferguson for a vacant title. Like, and there's, it's basically two semifinals, you know. Um, in, in the real world, that is probably, like, the most realistic thing to do. That's, again, where I'm like, dude, Gaethje's just such in an awkward spot right now. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Because it's like, oh, well, uh, you lost to Habib, so we're going to punish you. It's like, oh, okay, dude. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I, I, I'd like to think in my scenario, I don't know. I guess it is kind of punishing them. Maybe I would, I would probably be, um, you know what it would probably be? It's really never as simple as 
the winner of this of these matchups fight each other. It's really never that simple. If Justin were to beat Dan Hooker, I think he gets the next title shot immediately. Yeah. But if Dan Hooker beats Justin Gaethje, then I think he would need to fight the winner of Tony and Michael Chandler to then determine who's next. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Because I think Justin does have enough merit to get another title shot right now. But but he'll, he'll just... fight anybody. I mean, he yeah. would 1 million percent take that fight against Hooker if it was offered. You know he would. I, I kind of hope he does. It's not a fight being talked about a lot right now. Yeah. And I get it because Hooker is not quite in the title picture. But then again, he's wow. so close. Like he, No, I know. But I think people are really wanting Justin to be fighting for a belt his next fight. Yeah, it's basically like everybody ahead of Hooker is one win away. But Hooker, I mean, let's be realistic, he's two wins away. You know, yeah. so that's kind of where he's the odd man out. This is true. Yeah, this division's uh, just insane. It's insane. And when you throw a guy like Chandler in, like, oh, the matchups really here. We have no idea how he's going to look. We don't. We have no idea. I mean, you know, if we had did the welterweight division back when Ben Askren first got traded over, we might have thought he'd be fighting for a belt. Didn't yeah. quite turn out that way. Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, that's that's pretty much it. Golly, how good did it feel to get this out there? <laughs> Our, finally, the monkey's off our back. We didn't even get to talk about this much outside of, like, recording in general. So we, like, I know it pained our listeners to not get this for two straight weeks, but damn, it hurt us too, man. Yeah. It hurt. We, it's really been a, a struggle these past couple of weeks. We've really not gotten the talk here as much as we normally do. About, I mean, we, we spent about an hour before we started recording just catching up on all things UFC MMA and life in general. Yeah, just cutting the breeze. So, trust me, it, it hurt us just as much as it hurt you guys. I mean, you essentially yeah. said but this uh, is what we're the... doing right after Habib beat Justin. You said, dude, this is it. And I looked at you, I'm yeah. like, holy shit, you're a genius. This is it. <laughs> that was, that's been like three weeks. And here ago. we are. You're going to listen to this on uh, Wednesday, November 11th. So <laughs> It's literally been like three weeks since <laughs> yeah. we said that. That's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it, these things happen. Yep. Life, life comes at you fast sometimes. We roll with the punches. We do. We're like a fighter in that one. Yeah, yes. That may <laughs> be the only way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that is the end of episode two. Who's next? Hope you all enjoyed this. As for the rest of the week, Friday big preview episode uh, we got our homework we got our work cut out for yeah, us yeah we're gonna really be doing a dive here a lot of unknown people saturday night but be sure to tune in i think we're gonna do a good job i think we're gonna break it down very well these are the ones i think we really enjoy uh just to kind of show our passion our knowledge our love to you know research and find out stuff to provide good information for you guys i'm excited for this one it's definitely the ones that probably take the most away from. Yeah. I feel the most, yeah, like I feel the most, uh, accomplished. Yeah. I think that's the right word. So 
that new headline, the new headliner for this Saturday's fights is now Paul Felder versus Rafael Dos Anjos. That's a... Mm. Mm. That should be a great matchup. Oh, yeah. I don't care if Paul Felder stepped in on five days notice. That guy is game. And RDA, also game. Mm-hmm. Great I'm fight. I'm very excited to talk about those with you on Friday. Monday, we'll be recapping, reviewing all those fights that we talked about on Friday and on Saturday. So we got a couple of good ones coming up. Um, we should both, I, I believe we'll be doing it in this style for both of those. Uh, rest of November, probably be prepared for this kind of style of recording. We got the holidays coming up. Yeah. So it's going to be a little bit harder for us to be in the same place. But um, I still think we're doing a good job here. I don't think it sounds, uh, doesn't sound too off, but uh, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be uh, without the two of us. <laughs> for the rest of the month, so I, I hopefully we can stand by that. I know the listeners are so happy to hear your voice again, Noah, as am I. Much appreciated. Welcome back. Doc, thank you. Tell the good people where they can find you on social media, my friend. Twitter, Instagram, at Diesely14. Podcast, Twitter and Instagram, at B A. J underscore MMA podcast. Beautiful. If you go to my Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore and you go to my bio, you will be taken to our link tree, which will provide you with links to all of our social media platforms along with all of the platforms that the podcast is on the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, the anchor page. Google, Spotify, Apple, it's all on there, including a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. It just gives you an opportunity to provide us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into uh, boosting or improving the podcast so the audio equipment would be improved, uh, potentially down the line doing a video podcast. All that, that money would go towards all of that. So any amount is appreciated. Any amount of support is appreciated. We just appreciate you guys listening to us. But that option is still there. If you go to my bio at ntbaker underscore on Twitter or Instagram, you'll be taken there. But uh, that's it. We're out. And we're going to see you all on 